grateful that he has taken us from our shameful ways into a life of freedom and liberty, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, governed by the word of God, ready to reach a lost and dying world with the glory of Christ that rules and reigns within us. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You are the church of Jesus Christ. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking, but let me tell you something. He saved you. Amen? Amen. Saved you. Brought you from the kingdom of darkness into his great and wonderful light. We've been talking about the heart. We talked about the, how the heart is deceptive and deceitful. No one can understand it. It's a disease. It's sick. And we talked about how the great physician, Jesus Christ, came in and gave, a, gave us a heart transplant. We traded the shameful, condemned, wrathful heart, cold to the things of God, for a new heart filled with the presence and life of God within us. The heart speaks of the attitude of the mind, the emotion, the will. God changed directions for us. Amen? We were headed for the chasm, and God redirected our lives back to him. We were created to give glory and honor to God through the way that we live, by living out his presence on a daily basis. So the heart is, is very important. God changed our heart. Our heart is not to be followed. Our heart is to be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. Amen? Then we came into the, the conversation last week where we, we began to speak about trusting in the Lord. Who are you going to call? Remember the boat ride? The disciples were all upset because Jesus left them alone, ordered them into the storm. He insisted that they go. He made them go. It was of necess necessity that they get in that boat and go into that storm. Why? Because they could see the glory and the power and the provision of God even in the storm. Peter was so excited that he jumped out of the boat, got his eyes off of Jesus, fell down. But you know what? Jesus lifted him up. Amen? So today you might be feeling like you're going under. And you don't know where to turn. Jesus is here to lift you up and get you back into the boat, get you to shore, and get you living a life filled with his glory and honor. Today we're going to be talking about uh, giving. You don't have to tell uh, kids to be selfish. Amen? And you know what? You don't have to tell me to be selfish. I'm selfish on my own, thank you. And so are you. Selfishness has led us down a road that got us into a lot of trouble. Selfishness is never satisfied. It's the law of diminishing returns. The more we try to satisfy self, the more deeper we get into regret, sin, and shame. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this capacity where the more selfish we become, the less uh, fulfilled and satisfied we are. And we throw up our hands and say, God, help me. Selfishness is a sin. Worry is a sin. Fear is a sin. If it's dwelled upon, if it's thought about, if it's mused over, amen? 
God has called us to live a life of victory, not in and of ourselves, but in Christ Jesus, who won the victory 2,000 years ago. So we're excited. Today we're going to talk about giving and how when you gave your heart to Christ, all of a sudden this idea of giving, right? The Bible speaks about when we were saved that the Holy Spirit came down and lived within us and rivers of living water began to flow out of us. Before we came to Christ, we were like a, a, a dead swamp, green, mucky, brown, filthy water that was contained with no life coming into it. But Jesus Christ has come and cleansed us from all that muck and mire, and now he's flowing out of us the rivers of living water, the, the rivers of living life through the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is what he does. We can attest to the fact that after we became a Christian, we wanted to give more, right? You were less selfish. You were less pig-headed. You were less annoyed, less irritated, less frustrated, because your eyes are off of yourself and your eyes are on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the things of this world become so dim that they don't attract us anymore. But for the sake of Christ, Him crucified, and the cross of Christ, resurrection power and life. So today we're going to be talking about, about giving and talking about first things first. Do you know that if you don't have Christ as the center of your life and first in your life, your life is out of order. Your life is whacked out. Your life is all messed up. Because there's so many other things that are, that are coming in that want to take first place. Do you notice? Right? But when we put Jesus Christ at the center of our life and in first place, all of a sudden these other things become less stressful and our lives flow in the order of the principle of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. So our, our comments this morning as we talk are going to be putting Jesus first. The Bible says that He loved us, what? First. And we loved Him. The Bible speaks about returning to our first love, right? And coming to Him with a passion and a heart that is wonderfully in love and embraces His love so that we can reach out and touch a lost and dying world. Let's turn in our, in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. And we'll start reading at verse 11. This is going to be really Old Testament-y, okay? All right? So we're going to hang on in there and talk about it, all right? This is Old Testament-y. All right. Exodus chapter 13, verse 11. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live. You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord 
may be redeemed from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. If you do not redeem it, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every four firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what in the world is going on? And what does all this mean? Can you imagine a Israelite son loves a little lamb. The lamb gives birth to a, to a little baby lamb, so cute. And the son is playing with it, and the father comes along and picks it up by its back feet and slits its throat right in front of the son. And the son is saying, what in the world is going on? And here's the answer. The future, your children will ask you, what does this all mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. This is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand has brought us up out of Egypt. This is a picture of clean animals, the lamb, and the unclean animals represented by the donkey. Before you knew Christ, which one were you? Jackass. Amen, a donkey. <laughs> you were a donkey. You were unclean. And a lamb had to be sacrificed so that that, that donkey had to be redeemed and claimed back. You see, when a lamb gave birth, its firstborn male, it was slain so that all the rest of the lambs that were born would be accepted. Isn't that something? You notice how God didn't let an individual have ten lambs? And then let's give, let's give this lamb. This lamb is a little shorter, doesn't look as well. We'll give that lamb. No, the first lamb. It was an act of trust in the Lord that as we offer this lamb up to you, we will be accepted. We will, be belo- we will have, have a belonging to you and the rest of our lambs will be accepted by God. See, we were donkeys. And Jesus came as the lamb that was sacrificed before the foundations of the world to redeem us and to set us free. He is the lamb of God. See the beautiful picture? The Old Testament, every story... Every precept, every line speaks and whispers the name of Jesus. This is a prophetic utterance of what Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has done for us. Friends, we were unclean. We were about to have our necks snapped. Jesus rescued us, came to the cross, and died as the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, so that you, donkey, donkey, might live. Amen? Amen. Beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
And now go to Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin reading from verse 28. We did a little, we had to do an errand, and then now we're going back to Romans chapter 8. Okay? We did an errand in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll go in a little while. But we're shooting back now, across town, to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we'll read this. We know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We sang that song this morning and we worship God, putting our lives in his hands. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son, conformed to the image of Christ so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Jesus Christ is called the firstborn, not because he was created or he was born, because he represents that sacrifice that won our acceptance and our belonging to God. Amen? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ put us in the family of God, and we are accepted. Now let's go to Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 9. Leviticus chapter 23 is right next to second opinions. And then you go from there to... Just kidding. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Okay? Just wanted to see if you guys were with me. And you guys are, so this is cool. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 9. We'll read the whole thing. Verse 9 to 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you, and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain, bring him a sheath. Of a sheaf of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest on that day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On that same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. Can you get the picture here? The farmer has crops. They're so excited. The command is that the farmer would take a bundle of grain and immediately first thing presented to the priest so that priest would accept it and wave it before God and God would accept and dedicate that harvest to him and to the people. Isn't that awesome? We know that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. Let's go to 1 Corinthians now chapter 15 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's talking about the resurrection. Let's start with verse 16. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits, the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. This is a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ as the first fruit of the harvest of many souls throughout time that have been accepted by God because of because the first fruit of Christ being raised to the Father. Amen? Beautiful picture of the resurrection life. And now, we as the harvest of God are accepted and dedicated to him because of what Christ has done. He's the firstborn. He's the first fruit. Let's make him first in our lives. Amen? He raised us up. He raised us up. Now let's talk about money. Nobody's leaving until each of you give $20. In Jesus' name. You know, in the Old Testament, the commandment was everyone, every, every, everyone should give a tithe and bring it into the house of the Lord. A tithe. A tithe is 10%. Right? That was the obligation, and people gave it. Now, picture this. Now we live in a new covenant filled with grace and love. Right? Grace and love. Not through obligation, but because we have a passion for Jesus Christ. Now, can you picture this? My wife is not here, so I can say whatever I want to say. For this moment, until after the service, right? But look at this. We are being recorded. Um, can you imagine if I just treated my life, my wife, like I was obligated to her? Hun, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to let you sleep in my bed. As long as you do my wash, you do the dishes, you take care of the kids. That's the deal. An obligation. Right? God told us in the Old Testament that 10% of our tithe would be given over to him. And it would be given first. I've done this with my money. I've paid all my bills. I've taken care of everything else. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have enough to bring tithe into his storehouse on Sunday morning. And I did not put God first. You see, if we, if we say that God is first, God is first in everything. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you, when you get your paycheck, you write out your check to God. Whatever you're going to give, you write it out first. You make him first. He's the firstborn. He's the first fruit, and he wants to be the first in your life. See what God will do. Malachi, we're going to read it in a little bit. The only time that God says, test me, is concerning money. Isn't that awesome? Put God to the test. Oh, yeah, God, I know this is the only time that I come and I'm going to test you. So, I'm going to test you. All right. Let's go. Right? <laughs> How many of you, in time of deep, deep, what you thought was poverty and neglect, you decided to give to God, and God came through. 
on your behalf. Raise your hand. God is a good God. Oh boy. God is a good God. All the time? God is a good God. And all the time? Now be quiet. Let me just continue on. Man, I, I have... We don't... See, the, the thing is, we don't really need to talk about money. Like we need money. Because you guys are givers. But I want to I wanna bring it to your, to your, to your knowledge that maybe God is not first in your finances and he's not first in your life. We're not obligated to give 10%. In the New Testament, we're obligated to give everything that we are and everything that we have. 100%. Cool. Amen? A 10% is a start. Where you and God, you and you and God talk about your heart issue. If you're giving less than 10%, that's fine. You take it to God. Amen? But the thing is, if you put God first with your money, God will bless you beyond measure. Let's let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Amen. <laughs> How many are kind of like, oh, he's talking about money? Okay? Don't be. Don't be. Let me tell you this, guys. There's churches that take five offerings and they lock the door before they, before they let you out. We're not one of those churches, okay? We are not one of those churches. Malachi chapter 3, and here it goes. Look. I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Verse 1. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And who is he? Jesus. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levite, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem, as he did in the past. At that time, I will put you on trial. I am eager to witness against all sorcerers and adulterers and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice, for these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people treat, cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, God said. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, here it is. This is a promise, guys, to be tested. Amen? I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. What a beautiful promise of God. And here's the thing, guys. I don't want you to feel obligated to give a tenth, right? See, the Pharisees, they, they tithe, didn't they? And Jesus said, yeah, you're good to tithe. But you know what? You forgot about justice. You forgot about mercy. You forgot about caring for the poor. You forgot about a heart of compassion. So what does your tithe mean, right? When we put God first in our money, we're saying to God, God, I trust you with everything that I am. I trust you as my Jehovah Jireh. My employer is not my provider. My God is my provider. Amen? And he will make a way where there is no way. And he will bring people into your lives so that you will experience the grace and the glory of God as you trust him with everything you are. But what we, what we do is we scramble, right? You go into a convenience store and you're like, hmm, I could take this. All I need is a ski mask. I could, I could do this. Our minds go to other things. We get our minds off of God, right? Instead of seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, the Bible says, and all these things shall be added. We get our minds off of striving and trying and worrying and fretting. And God says, don't worry. Thanksgiving, prayer and supplication, make your request to God. And here it is, friends, here it is. The peace of God shall mount guard over your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I want you to really think about putting God first when it comes to your money. And here's the thing. This is between you and God. Amen? You deal with that with God. You, you, you put God to the test and say, God, I haven't put you first in my finances, but I'm going to put you back up on the list. When I get my paycheck, you're going to be the first one that I write the check out. And I'm going to lay it aside, and I'm going to have a prayer, and I'm going to say, God, you are first. And the heavens open, and the wonderful pouring of the blessing and provision of God comes, and you are blessed. Amen? Let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter um, 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's read verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Okay, remember this. A farmer who plants... Only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, freely, not begrudgingly, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And there's the key right there. Don't give reluctantly 
or in response to pressure, out of obligation. For God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. Cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Old Testament promise from Malachi, New Testament promise from Corinthians that God will supply. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Amen? Friends, your giving has been unbelievable. We have blessed many, 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 many ministries and many, 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 many people because of your giving. Our church is open-handed. What we have, if we can give it away, you better believe it. We're going to give it away. Amen? We're not hoarders. Okay? We give things away. We have our baptismal. Remember that hot tub that we put over here and we baptize people in? We have about three or four churches that use it on a regular basis. We let them take it and we let them use it. Amen? Because of an open hand. We give to people. We give to ministries. And we see it in the generosity of the people that are involved in volunteering. There's a spirit of generosity. There's a spirit of grace. There's a spirit of giving. When tons and tons and tons of people show up to make blankets of all things, blankets, and you got to do that thing with the tying and everything. <laughs> okay. My ADD kicks in really quick. <laughs> but you guys sat there for hours. We got video of it. <laughs> and then the cutters. <laughs> okay, cutting like this. And I said, I got to go. I got to get a cup of coffee, please. But the generosity and the love and the giving is just, it's just incredible. Those of you that came to help for the winter cleanup, some stayed till 5 o'clock cleaning this place, throwing stuff out. Why? Because it's an obligation? No, because you love Jesus, right? That's why we give. We give the way God gives when we make him first in our life. Your time. I've got to be more dedicated in the morning to get up and read the word of God. I get focused on Fox News and CNN. My day is shot. My day is shot. Encourage me as I encourage you to get up in the morning. Early in the morning, David said, I will meditate on the word of God, right? And it sets the day because we put God first. When you write out your check, and when you look at your money, Always determine, God, I'm going to put you first and give to you first. Whatever you decide to give with a cheerful heart, you give it to God, putting him first. The windows of heaven will open and you'll be blessed beyond measure. You ever go through your life and you had something that you really, really protected and you didn't want anybody to use because it was mine? It was mine. Don't you touch that because it's mine. If you have any kids, you know that real well. 
That's mine. Well, Jesus comes in and says, listen, because you are my son and daughter, I have, everything is yours. Everything is yours. And I want you to give it away freely. The Bible says freely you have received, freely what? You give. Amen? It's better to what? Give than to receive. Listen, friend, it's totally whacked out from the world's perceptions, isn't it? The world hangs on. That's mine. Precious. This is my precious. Right? This is my precious. We get ugly. We get ugly like that golem creature. We just get ugly when we don't have a spirit of giving and a spirit of generosity. When, when, when you're able to give something away freely, even when you're, as you're giving it, you're like, this really hurts. You realize as you give it away, you are losing your life. Save it. Amen? Question for you today, is there anything in your life that you're not willing to give away? Don't be like Rodney Dangerfield. Take my wife. Take my wife, please. No. <laughs> is there anything in your life that you're not willing to give away? I want you to think about this today. I want you to go home. Look at every, everything of your possessions, everything that you own. Think about your 401k. Think about your car. Think about everything. And tell God, God, put you first in my life. And I'm willing to give anything and everything away for you. And you'll feel the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in your life that will fill you up beyond measure. Spirit of generosity will come out. Spirit of giving. Those things that claimed your life will no longer claim it like, like it once had. And you'll be able to give it away freely. Amen? <laughs> then there's the other side. Where you're stupid. And you give too much away. <laughs> that can be me sometimes. <laughs> but over the years, in giving and being generous, you realize the generosity of God, that he would step down off of his throne, think it not robbery, that he would come down, be released of his majesty and splendor and glory in heaven, be a humble servant, Die a cruel death so that you can have life and have it more abundantly and overflowing. Philippians 2 tells us this same attitude that Christ had, we should experience and have to really fulfill the glory of God in our hearts and in our lives. Is God first in your life? Everything else will fall in order, friends, when we make Jesus Christ first, the preeminent, the supreme one in our heart and life and serve him with all that we have. And listen, you put God first in your life, put him first with your time, first with your money, first in every area of your thoughts and emotions and your will, you will understand and we will meet back here next week and there'll be testimony to the wonder and the provision of God's grace. Are you ready to receive it in Jesus' name? Are you ready to receive it in Jesus' name? Amen. The problem with not getting anything from God, the number one big problem is that we don't ask. Amen? I want you to go asking today.
I want you to go seeking. I want you to go knocking. When you ask, you shall receive. When you seek, you shall find. And when you knock, the door will be opened unto you. Amen? Amen. It's closed for a word of prayer. God, we love you today. We thank you that you thought of us first, oh God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We understand, oh God, that giving is your love language. You want to spread your love language to a, a broken and lost world by creating in us a heart of generosity, a heart of giving that will leave that heart that wants to protect and save and hoard and, and be like Golem and say, this is my precious. Lord, free us. Free us to give. Free us to love. Free us to dance. Free us to run. And God, you said in your word that when we see somebody in need and we offer a drink of water, we do it to the least of these, your brethren and sisters. We do it unto you. Let us be about the least, O oh God, in giving, serving, and loving. And we are ready this week to come back next week, talk during life group about the provision of your grace and your, and, and, and your mercy, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. There's going to be a freedom and a liberty and a richness and a wonderful provision of your presence this week. We believe it and we will receive it. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.